Hey, here's what I learned today on the Alan Carter podcast, why people are rushing to a home sense in York Region. We have mayors, we have medical officers of health and home sense expert Sheba Siddiqui. Ontario is about to bring in laws to fight human trafficking, but will it give police the power to ask you when you check into a hotel? Advocate Marnie Grunman is here. Plus, did the Prime Minister fail Canadians by sitting out that vote about China and genocide? A fascinating conversation with Professor William Mitchell. Well, hello. How are you? Shop, 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 shop. How badly do you want to get out there and start spending some money in a store? No more of this online business. Just how badly do you need a live, love, laugh sign? Inside it was very busy, and there was probably a 45-minute wait to check out. That woman was inside a Vaughn home since yesterday as that region reopened for non-essential shopping, the area above Toronto, York region in the red. And the Global News obtained video of that has gone viral. You can check it out on my Twitter feed at A. Carter Global. And it shows people lined up. Now, is that a disaster in the making or just more noise in fury? Just making a mountain out of a crocheted pillow. What are the officials saying? What is the region saying about what is happening in York as it reopens? Are all of us from Toronto and Peel just getting in our car and going crazy because we got to get ourselves a throw rug? Is that what's happening? Our producer, Sheba Siddiqui, is standing by with perspective from Halton region. Also, her take on what she sees in that video. Then later on this hour, the Ontario government has introduced legislation to combat human trafficking. Human trafficking has become an increasingly huge problem right across this country, with women and young girls being taken from certain portions of the province, of the country, pardon me, and moved across to other areas. And police have a very difficult time tracking and rescuing these girls and women. Coming up, perspective from someone who has survived the streets, an advocate for youth, talking about whether these new changes will help stem the growing tide of human trafficking. Don't think for a moment, by the way, that this is something that would not possibly impact your family. Because if you think, well, this is just not something that's ever going to impact me, you're wrong. Then we're going to talk about the motion in Parliament yesterday to recognize that China is committing genocide against its Muslim minority. The Prime Minister and the Cabinet Uh, The vast majority of the cabinet abstained from that vote. It did pass with strong support from liberal backbenchers, but the prime minister and the cabinet abstained. What does that mean for the liberal government? What does it mean for Canada's trade relationship with China? And what does it mean for the fate of the two Michaels? Professor William Mitchell from Rotman is going to join me later in this hour to sort through a very thorny issue. I'm looking forward to that discussion. But let's get back to that home sense nonsense, shall we? This is Dr. Kareem Kurji, who is the Medical Officer of Health for, for York Region. And here he is saying that the rules for non-essential shopping will be enforced. You will see certain deviations from the rules, and uh, we are here to ensure that the rules are being followed correctly. 
That is Kareem Kurjay saying that, yes, there will be those who deviate from the rules, but there will be inspectors sent around. This follows the release of a video from Global News showing a long lineup inside a home sense in Vaughn, and we spoke to people who said it was a 45-minute wait inside the store just to get checked out, just to be able to pay and leave. Sheba Siddiqui is my producer who uh, lives in Halton region. Uh, Sheba, let, let's talk about, first of all, the, the urge to shop. I know you can shop in your region. I can't hear. Did, when things opened up, did you just go running out to the home sense, the local home sense? I did not, uh, although th- th- I will be soon. I mean, I can't wait, I, but I've been waiting for this day forever. Carter, I have been trapped in a house with my family for going on one year now. I'm going a little nuts. And HomeSense is my happy place. I'm telling you, all of my problems disappear when I go into a HomeSense. What are you talking about? Oh, it is just such a peaceful, wonderful place. There's no children fighting. There's no husband saying this and that. Just get away from me, everybody. Let me go to my home sense. It is so great for my mental health when I walk into specifically a home sense. So when our first lockdown ended, I think yes. in the summer, I believe it was, uh-huh. that was the first place I went. I was That was the only place I really missed possibly more than certain family members that I hadn't seen in, oh, really? in weeks all, at that point. Just a, a scented candle that you'd be more interested. You're in the scented candle aisle. You're happier. I'm telling you, this, the, the candles, the vases. Yesterday, you and I were on a Zoom call together. And what did you compliment? You complimented a beautiful globe in my background. Yes. Do yeah, you, you, have, you, have, you have a tremendous, your basement is bigger than my entire house. <laughs> that was from HopeSense. All of these things that you saw in the background, it's all home sense. I'm telling you, I feel like I've been to a therapist's office after I leave a home sense. I'm all right, right, all right, all right. Listen, I don't think home sense is advertising. We're not getting paid for this, so enough of that. <laughs> so, but th- let me play you then this. This is the mayor of Newmarket. This is John Taylor talking about the fact that, listen, if the rules are followed, for non-essential shopping, which, by the way, is at 25% capacity. It doesn't matter if it's people from Toronto driving up to Vaughan because they got to get their home sense on or not. As long as the rules are being followed, here's the mayor of Newmarket. If you only have a, a, a certain small number of people in, your, in your, your small retail setting and they're wearing masks and you're conducting your business accordingly to the, to the guidelines, then wherever the person's from, there's very low risk. That is the mayor of Newmarket, John Taylor, saying that region hopping, after all the hair pulling and renting of clothing about it, is not a real issue if people follow the rules. Shiva Siddiqui, my producer, when you look at that video, by the way, you can see that video at A. Carter Global on my Twitter feed, also on globalnews.ca. Just uh, put it in Home Sense and it'll come up. It's a story by Miranda Anthos, and you can see it yourself, this video. What did you make of it when you saw it? Would that concern you? I know you love the home sense, but would you be concerned to be in there for 45 minutes? So I did see this video. I am concerned by the proximity of people around each other. It doesn't look like that's 25% capacity. It looks like way more than that, unless it's a really small store. I don't know. When I go to a home sense, it doesn't look like that. I mean, we are very physically distanced. Everybody's really careful. I wear gloves. I wear a mask. Uh, and if there's no... That was chaos. So I, I haven't experienced that. I think I would personally be very uncomfortable being in a setting like that right now during this pandemic. There's no throw pillow that would keep you 
in mind. <laughs> no, there is not. But that is not my experience at a home sense. I do understand, though. I feel for these women. It's mental health. It is mental health. There's something nice about just getting away from these people you're trapped in this house, house <laughs> with and and just doing something for yourself. I used to get a, a tea and go to HomeSense just as my downtime to get away from the, the family for a bit. You can't do that anymore because you're wearing your mask. But I don't know. I'd feel very uncomfortable from you, what I you saw would, in that you, video. So we could, I mean, we have this one video and in, in, uh, in the defense of... Uh, the region, what they're saying is that, look, there are there are going to be instances where the rules are not being followed and we will go out with our inspectors and we will enforce and we will educate. And if we have to, we will we will issue fines. So, that, OK, let's put that to, to one side, if we could, Shiva. I want to play this for you, because this to me is the thing that just simply doesn't add up. And it doesn't add up no matter how many times the province says it. Because it used to be that that Vaughn Home Sense was closed. Last week it was closed. Now it has reopened. However, here is the Deputy Premier and Minister of Health telling you that the province is not reopening. Important to note, and I, I hope all Ontarians are, are listening to this, we are not reopening the province. We are transitioning back into the COVID framework, and we're doing this in a very careful and cautious way based on the medical uh, information we've received from Dr. Williams and the public health measures table. Sheba Siddiqui is with me. Does that add up to you? We are not reopening, but the store has reopened. <laughs> Look, I see, I see both sides of the coin here. I understand where people are coming from. And also, just in their defense, once you're a HomeSense fan, you kind of figure out which ones are good and which ones are great. Do you stock in this company? That specific Vaughn HomeSense is the best one in York Region. So it is. It just happens to be. It has the best stuff. Have you so, got these things ranked somewhere? Oh, you just you learn. You learn these things. You learn which ones don't get as much stock, or you know which ones always have great stuff coming in. Wednesdays used to be the day that stores would get restocked. Now that's all changed during the pandemic. How do you feel about winners? Uh, do you feel the same about winners? No, no, no winners, winners is not the no. same for me. No, no, it's the home sense. It's the home it's decor. Only the, it's, it's only the home decor. It's soothing. Shiba Siddiqui, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, coming on and helping me sort through what is going on at the Vaughn Home Sense and why that is the best home sense. Always, Carter. All right, thank you very much. Coming up on the Alan Carter Radio Program, we are going to hear from you. Whether or not it's the Home Sense or whether it's the Canadian Tire or whatever it is that motivates you, are you shopping? Do you agree with what you heard from the mayor of Newmarket, which is, as long as we put the precautions in place, it doesn't matter where you're from, so you're not going to be upset if I show up at your local home sense. Hey, aren't you Alan Carter? Aren't you from Toronto? Get out of here! Get lost! Go on! Spam! Beat it! Anchor. Nobody needs an anchor in their home sense. The Ontario government has announced legislative changes to help fight human trafficking. And a Statistics Canada report published last year found that Ontario accounted for 68% of all police-reported human trafficking incidents between 2009 and 2018. 
Ontario plans to give police more power to access information in human trafficking investigations. Proposed legislation would allow officers to ask hotels to share information about guests if they believe it could help locate, identify, or protect a suspected human trafficking victim. The bill, if passed, would also require companies that sell sexual services to publish their contact information and respond to law enforcement within a set time frame. The legislation would also increase penalties for those involved in human trafficking cases that interfere with a child in protective custody. And the Premier saying that the province has become a quote-unquote hub for human trafficking and this legislation is desperately needed. My next guest, at the age of 13, found herself alone, scared, and living on the streets of Miami. Fast forward to today, Marnie Grundman is an advocate for homeless youth, an author, a motivational speaker, and she joins me on the line. Welcome, Marnie. Thank you for having me, Alan. At first brush, at first uh, glance, what's your estimation, what's your reaction to this proposed legislation? Well, you know, I think anything that improves our ability to detect and, um, you know, uh, charge people who are trafficking, particularly children, but human beings in general, is is a step in the right direction. Uh, We need to do a whole lot more, but it's something that starts to at least grab the public's attention and makes it easier for police to actually levy charges, which is something that we definitely need. Can we just talk about the the hotel aspect? Because I think for a lot of people that jumped out immediately uh, as an aspect of this proposed legislation and the ability for police to get information. Why is that important from your estimation that police have that authority and that ability? Well, because that's where a lot of the trafficking is going on, right? I mean, when when you're talking about where are you going to... Um, receive those services, for lack of a better word, it's the hotels. And a lot of times, like I live in downtown Toronto, the hotels know what's going on, but they don't really, you know, they don't really do anything about it because they're, one, not required to, and two, I don't think they know what to do about it. So building that relationship with the police and having that requirement in place is also going to empower the hotels to do the right thing. There, there have been already um, concerns about privacy issues and how police might use these, this authority. I can just, I'll just read to you from the press release. This is from the provincial government that says they will provide law enforcement with more tools in this particular case. This is the quote, clarifying how and when police services can access information from hotel guest registries to help deter, to deter trafficking and identify and locate victims. In your estimation, we really need, we need some more power for the police in this area? A hundred thousand percent. You know, how, how else are we going to be able to protect the victims of human trafficking if we can't locate them? You know, if we don't have access to that information, and, and I understand, you know, people check into a hotel, maybe they don't want their information shared, but at the end of the day, if they have nothing to hide, then I don't see what the concern is. I think our bigger concern is protecting the victims, especially when we're talking about kids who are in foster care who are already falling through the cracks. Um, Those are the kids that they seem to be paying more attention to finally, which is much overdue. And um, I I think it's a great thing. I, I think that 
as we start this dialogue, we need to add stronger laws. We need to have stronger sentencing. I'm, I'm hoping this is a building block in a better direction. The premier refers to Ontario as a hub, quote unquote, a hub of human trafficking. Um, could you expand on, on um, your estimation of where, where Ontario sits in terms of, you know, Canada and human trafficking? Well, I mean, in terms of Canada, it's, it's only second to what I think Nova Scotia is, is the other hub. Um, you know, Toronto is an area with a great deal of money, a lot of travel and a lot of events. And anytime you have um, those three things combined, that becomes a very attractive area for trafficking. Um, you know, it, it's just been growing by leaps and bounds. And you also have so many kids who who end up on the streets and one of the places they end up going is Ontario, Toronto, because of the fact that it, it's easier to to get by there. Right. So you big lights, bright city, that sort of thing. People come here exactly. and they find themselves in, in desperate straits and then in the in the hands of traffickers. Tell me about your experience Correct. about about working with victims and, and rescuing victims. Um, so I don't work in the area of rescuing victims, but I do um, I do a lot of work with Kevin in-house in terms of uh, raising funds and raising awareness. Uh, a lot of my personal uh, mission is to educate the public. So I'll go into schools and, and speak to the kids mm. or I do different types of workshops, but I'm not on the front lines in terms of doing any rescue uh, right. I wish I was, but I, there's only so much I can do. <laughs> I, I understand that. So give, give me my next question would be then that, you know, there's going to be parents out there. There's going to be listeners out there who say, well, look, my my kids or my family are just not going to be impacted by this. We have, you know, strong family, blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just dispel that for me. Um, I can dispel that really easily. I spoke at a school of ninth graders. And uh, in the presentation, we talk about trafficking. And afterwards, I asked the teacher about a, a, a boy who was in the class because I noticed something in his body language. He was a ninth grade student who was under investigation for trafficking his classmates because within his household, there was trafficking. So if you're sending your kids to school and you think that they're safe from trafficking, you're wrong. You know, it's every, every kid is at risk. It, it doesn't look like a kid who's being ripped off the streets, right? Kids are being groomed by their friends, in, in that case, one of their peers. And the next thing you know, they're pulled into that household and they're being trafficked in plain sight. And that's what it looks like. It's every kid is at risk, whether, you know, it's a child from an affluent family or a poor family, uh, you know, exploiters don't pay attention to that. They look for a child that they think is vulnerable and a child who's 13 years old, because that's the average beginning age is, is, has, has no tools to fight that. We as parents have to be aware and watch for the signs and make sure that we know where our kids are going and who they're associating with and, and, and make sure that we're speaking to them about it as if it can happen to them because it can. Marnie, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you again. I appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much. That is Marnie Grunman, who is an author and an advocate 
helping homeless youth. And what is the cost of that cheap television? What is the cost of that inexpensive T-shirt? Labor camps, forced sterilization. It is going to be the defining issue of this decade. Will the world turn its back on the Uyghur minority in China in favor of doing business with the communist nation? In Ottawa, strong support for the conservative motion to label China's treatment of Uyghurs as a genocide. The Prime Minister and the majority of the Cabinet abstained from the vote, although liberal backbenchers did vote overwhelmingly in favor of the motion. The House also voted to adopt an amendment proposed by the Bloc Québécois that Canada urged the IOC to move the 2022 Winter Olympics from Beijing if the Chinese Communist Party continues its brutal treatment of Uyghurs. The two Michaels, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, of course, are being held in detention in China. There has got to be some concern that passing this motion that is non-binding might actually make their situation worse, although uh, one of the conservative members yesterday pointing out that if we can't label human rights abuses what they are, if we can't say those words because we fear hostage-taking or what was going to be happening to Canadian hostages, no Canadian traveling anywhere in the world would ever truly be safe. The reaction from the opinion pages. This is from the Toronto Star. The Trudeau government is trying to have it always on the hot-button issue of China's appalling treatment of its Muslim Uyghur minority, not surprisingly, the government has ended up pleasing precisely no one, pointing out, of course, that Justin Trudeau and his cabinet were not part of that vote. From the National Post, Canadians have to ask themselves whether they are willing to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to penalizing countries that systematically abuse human rights such as China. To help me talk more about this issue, I am pleased to welcome to the program William Mitchell, who is a professor of strategic management at Rotman School of Management. Welcome. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. Let's begin with the position that the Prime Minister and the Cabinet are in with not actually voting, but allowing backbenchers to vote. From your estimation, is that the correct play by the PM? Well, the, the, the opposition and the backbenchers are in the position of being able to take moral stances. And there is an honest moral stance to take here. Um, and the government, especially the cabinet, is in the position of having to work with the, work, work with, with the country um, to try to find a solution. Um, so I actually understand why the cabinet would abstain on this one. I'm sure that many or most of the individuals have real concerns about what's happening um, in the east of China and in, in the Uyghur communities. And at the same time, they're the ones who have to work day to day to try to make, to, to try to, for us to have an effective relationship with the country. How much of this was a, a little bit of political jockeying on the part of the O'Toole Conservatives to try and put uh, the Prime Minister and his captain on the back foot? Well, uh, from my perspective, a lot. Um, it's it's a it's it's a it's a an issue that people honestly care about, um, and it's one where there is the potential to embarrass a government, um, which means it really fall. It, any opposition party would, would love those sorts of issues. Talk to me about the issue about consumer choice uh, and 
in my preamble, I talked about my prediction that the treatment of minorities in China is going to be a defining issue in this decade as we confront our consumption and ask ourselves, is the cheap TV, is the cheap handset worth it? So, Alan, I think there's two parts to that question. One is, what is the status um, in the Uyghur communities? And there's a lot of criticism from around the world about it. Um, the Trump administration in the U.S. made it part of their anti-China uh, activities. Um, the BBC in the U.K. Um, have highlighted some things recently. Um, China, on the other hand, says their education camps they're, and facilities, they're not, um, they're, they're not coercive. Um, I think most people who've read the evidence say that there is some coercion, co co coercion involved and possibly a lot. Um, using the term genocide is a really loaded term. And whether that's the right term to use in this particular case is one I have real doubts about. So, why why do you have doubts about that term in this particular case? Genocide is really is a really powerful term. It basically means you're trying to completely annihilate a community, and um, nothing that I've seen about even the egregious, completely what 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 appear to be really horrible things that have happened speak to 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 that level of to to the level of genocide. Um, and it, it, has, it runs the risk of getting in the way. Um, do we need to be involved? Do we want to be involved? Absolutely. Um, but we need to be involved in a way that has a chance of being constructive. Um, well, sorry, jump in. Sorry, I just to say, what about what's your take then on the pressure on the IOC to be able to say, well, we're not going to go to the Olympics because, you know, it, to uh, continue to apply that kind of pressure? Yeah. Um, how often has an Olympic, Olympic boycott had any effect um, in the past? Um, other than getting the backup of the country. Um, and the likelihood of it happening is somewhere between zero and zero. Fair, fair enough. I interrupted. No, that's okay. Um, then on the economic side of it, there's there's two parts to the, to the economic part. There's, there are, there's our part as consumers of goods that are produced in China, the TVs and the, and the T-shirts you mentioned. Um, and there's also China as a market for Canadian firms and, and, and Canadians. Um, and both of those are important. China is either the first or the second largest economy in the world, depending on how you count. Um, it's the number one exporter of goods. It's the number two importer of goods behind only the U.S. Um, and for, so for us as a country, it's actually a really important market. Now, we have to take our moral values into account as well, um, just as, as, we, as we do with any country. But simply cutting it out is, is actually leaves us unengaged with a really important country on market terms, on cultural terms, um, on social terms. And I take to see us out of that conversation. Um, I speak, I'm speaking with, let me reintroduce you here. I'm speaking with William Mitchell, who is professor of strategic management at Rotman, talking about the uh, situation in China and the motion that was passed by the parliament yesterday, uh, condemning China's treatment of its Muslim minority as genocide. Your contention is that it is better for us to be engaged um, and, and have a dialogue with China and terms like genocide get in the way of that. Exactly. Um, I'd much rather see us work with the UN um, High Commission um, on Michelle Bachelet and others. Um, because let's be honest, in terms of our scale in the world, we're small. Um, China's big. Um, the likelihood that we as one individual country are going to have much impact is really low. Um, for us as part of a global coalition um, to be articulating the values that we believe in, 
with people who believe them. That's where we have a chance of having an impact. So this is more correctly, in your estimation, something that should be at the UN. I'm wondering what lesson we can take away from China's uh, attitude towards Australia, for example. You know, once again, um, an individual country faced, facing a very strong economy and a very strong culture and a very strong society is at risk, um, and Australia has felt that. Um, um, we, we also you know, are feeling that. And there are, th- there are some individual things we can do in response. Um, we recently refused to allow an acquisition by a Chinese firm um, of a mining company in the Arctic on the grounds of national security. And um, I wasn't involved in, in making that decision, and I don't know the logic went into it, went into it uh, but on the face of it, it looks like a reminder that, yes, there are things here in Canada you want, and we, can, we have the right to say no, um, faced with the challenges that we, that we have with Huawei, the things with, with, with Meng, Meng Wanzhou, and, with, and you know, on our, from, from our side, the two Michaels that you mentioned, um, who are clearly being, um, have been in jail for now for way too long um, as a as, uh, reaction to our having, uh, the house arrest of, of, of Meng Wanzhou. Um, so there are some things we can do as an individual country. But for us to be really effective, we're going to have to do it as a coalition. We're going to have to leave it there. It's a fascinating conversation. I hope you will come back and we can discuss it further because obviously this is going to be an issue that is going to stay with us for years to come. William Mitchell, a professor at Rodman School of Management, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Alan. Well, I learned some stuff today. I don't know about you. I like learning. I do. I, do. I didn't like it when I was in school, but you know, I like it now. I like it now. I like to learn. I like to get to know things. I do. Here's something I know. Here's something I know for sure. Lean in a little bit, folks. Gather around. Grandpa's telling a story. Here's the thing that I know for sure. Is that when times are tough, what do you got to do? You got to look out for the people around you. You got to be a good father, a good partner, a good wife, a good mother, a good sister. All of those things. Brother, you name it. Be, be, uncle. Yeah, uncles for sure. And how do you do that? You're asking yourself, Alan, how do I be a better person to all of the people around me? Well, let me tell you, because I've got the solution for you right here. You know what you do? You take two minutes today. Two minutes. That's all I'm asking for. You take two minutes and you spend some time saying nice things to yourself about yourself. I mean it. I mean it. You want to help other people? You want to be a better person, a better partner? It starts inside. It starts with being able to affirm what you know is true, what you should know is true, which is you're awesome. You're handling it. Look at you. We're a year into this thing. You're a champ. You're fantastic. Look at what you've handled. You're doing great. Be good to yourself. It starts with you. If you're good to yourself, you can be good to others. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.